All right. Um, you have the outline on the table in front of you. We're in Genesis. We are in the 30th chapter and verse 14. You see from the outline that it, uh, we're talking about the children of, of Jacob. We've already found that he had uh, four children by Leah, and then he had four by his uh, slave wives, Bilhah two and Zilpah two. And uh, now today we're going to find that he has four more by Leah and Rachel. And so, yeah. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. All right. Well, let's pray and uh, then we'll get, we'll get started. Father, thank you for uh, this really, really pretty day that you've given to us. We're very thankful. We're thankful for good food and pray you'll use it to strengthen and nourish our bodies. We're grateful for sweet fellowship around the tables. We're most thankful for your word and the instruction and the guidance that it gives us, the words of life. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior and Lord. At this Thanksgiving season, we express again our gratitude to you for how you have blessed us. And as we move now into the Christmas season, I pray that you will help us to remember the reason for the season, and it is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we focus our attention upon him in all that we do. So bless us now in these few moments that we have to spend in the book of Genesis. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, having already given us a little bit of a reminder of where we've been in discussing Jacob's children, then let's look at chapter 30, verse 14 through 24, and then we will discuss that passage for just a few moments. Verse 14, during wheat harvest, Reuben, one of Jacob's sons, Reuben went out into the fields and found some mandrake plants, which he brought to his mother Leah. Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, um, and, and you can see the bitterness oozing out of these words, Wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? Very well, Rachel said. He can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You must sleep with me, she said. I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. This is tough stuff to read. It really is. So he slept with her that night. God listened to Leah, and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband. So she named him Issachar. Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six Sons, So she named him Zebulun. I pause there. Can you hear the cry of Leah? How she desperately desires to be loved by Jacob. And I think he did love her in a sense, but not like he loved Rachel. 
And she so desired to be honored by Jacob, and she just never got the honor that she wanted. And so you, you could just, it oozes out of everything that she says. Verse 21. Sometime later, she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah. At last, a little girl. <laughs> All right. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. So you see who's controlling this, who's in charge. God is moving. So, verse 23, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add to me another son. Okay, let's stop. Let's stop there for a moment. I, I suppose it would be enlightening for us to spend a whole session on um, polygamy and all the issues that are associated with that. I'm not going to do that. We're in an effort to try to get through the 50th chapter of Genesis before um, before the rapture, but uh, it would make an interesting study. Suffice to say... The Bible makes it clear God's ideal for us, God's plan for us, God's desire for us, God's will for us is one man, one woman, freely united in marriage for life. That's God's ideal for us. This is not God's ideal that Jacob have four wives. And he's not the only patriarch that had more than one wife. Um, who, who is the one we've been talking about who had one wife? Isaac, yes, Isaac, good for Isaac. Um, but let's deal with the text and we'll think about dealing with some of the rest of that later on. Reuben, eldest son, goes into the fields and brings mandrakes to his mother Leah. Mandrakes were considered to be a love potion. It was considered to be a fertility drug. In uh, Song of so in the Song of Solomon, the seventh chapter, the thirteenth verse, it says, "The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door is every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my beloved." Uh, mandrakes, being a love potion, was a superstition, not a, not not scientifically proven. In fact, it is not, it did not have the power that people like Leah or Rachel or Reuben thought that it had. Nevertheless, Rachel and Leah believed that the mandrakes would cause them to be more fertile and more attractive to the man they both loved, Jacob. So Rachel wants the mandrakes that Leah's son have brought to her, and Leah says no, uh, with some bitterness. You have taken my husband, will you take my son's mandrakes also? Uh, and I have to say here, reading, uh, my heart goes out to Leah, my heart goes out to a whole bunch of folks that we've been reading about, but it is a little nervy. I think 
of Leah, given her beginning with Jacob. You remember how they slept together the first time when Jacob thought he was sleeping with Rachel, and it turned out in the morning he woke up and there was Leah. So she was fully part of the conspiracy that her father Laban had had pulled off here, and so a little nervy of her to be so offended, yet at the same time I understand her, her offense and her dislike and distaste for Rachel. But Rachel offers a night with Jacob for the mandrakes, and Leah accepts the offer. It would appear from the text that Rachel had come into control of where Jacob would sleep. It, it appears through the words that she had gained the upper hand in the relationships, and so she had to give her consent in order for Jacob to sleep with Leah. Uh, so Leah had been cut off for a while, apparently. Well, so much for mandrakes. Uh, Leah gives them away, and she sleeps with Jacob, and she gets pregnant. And Rachel gets the mandrakes, but remains childless for three more years. Leah calls out to God, because in verse 17 it says, God listened to Leah. She called out to God in her brokenheartedness, in her desperation. She calls out to God, um, and God heard her, and she has two more boys. Issachar, the word Issachar in Hebrew means wages. Coming from the fact that she that she paid Rachel in mandrakes for the right to sleep with Jacob, and uh, it's really, if you carefully examine the text, it would appear to be, and even the naming of the son, it's a denigration of Rachel for for hiring Jacob with mandrakes. Uh, it's kind of an slap in the face for Rachel. Then the second son, so evidently she had that privilege of sleeping with him again because he, she gets pregnant again. Um, and this child she names the boy Zebulun. A mean, the meaning of Zebulun is not certain. Most of the sons we know absolutely certainly what the word meant, but we think the word Zebulun comes from a root word which means honor. And so there is a note of triumph for Leah in the words that she says, believing now, finally, God is going to bring me favor in the eyes of my husband. Because I have borne him all these boys, and Rachel's borne him nobody. Now, her slave had been the mother to two, Rachel's slave had been the mother of two sons to Jacob, but not Rachel herself, not yet. Then Leah had a girl, finally. Um, you need somebody to dress up in those frilly dresses and, you know, all that. My goodness, a bunch of boys around the house. That, that Leah had a girl named Dinah. The word Dinah means judgment or vindication. So you see, there's deep meaning in all the names given to, to those children. It's good to think about, you know, you, most of you in this room have already, you've finished childbearing and that's all behind you and you pick names for your children and, 
and they may have family names or whatever you, but it's not a bad idea to know what the word means before you pick that for your child. And so uh, Leah was per- very purposeful in the selection of her name. And it would appear, it would appear that in this culture, the right to name the child was uh, it, it, given to the woman, apparently, because Leah is the one who names the children. And so anyway, just whatever that's worth. Well, as we read on, finally, God blesses Rachel at last. Um, she had a boy, and his name is Joseph. And the word Joseph means may he add. So she's saying in the naming of her son, Joseph, I want to have more children. I want to have another child. Uh, Rachel had called out to God. And the thing I noticed in three years had passed since the Mandrake incident. And at least as far as the text is concerned, no more Mandrakes. No more surrogates, slaves, bearing children. Uh, I, I think God had done something in Rachel's heart. And so she calls out to God and depends totally on him. And God blesses and gives her a son she names Joseph. Now, the central figure of Genesis chapters 37 to 50 has just been introduced to us. And his name is Joseph. He will be the focus of our attention once we get to chapter 37 all the way to the end of the book of Genesis. By the way, Rachel will have another child, but we'll have to wait until we get to chapter 35 to find that happening. But it's son number 12, and that will be, that will complete the 12 tribes of Israel. Anybody know the name of that last child? Yeah, Benjamin. Okay. Now, let's look at verse 25 and read through the end of the chapter as we see Jacob becoming rich. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. Remember, he's up in Mesopotamia all these years. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Uh, By the way, Laban is not a God follower. Not a God follower. Learn by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, name your wages and I will pay them. Jacob said to him, you know how I have worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little one you had, you had, the little you had before I came has increased greatly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, When may I do something for my own household? I've been serving you all these years. And I'm ready to move on and do something for my own family. Well, Laban says, what shall I give you? He persists. What shall I give you? He asked. 
Don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Now watch the deal that Jacob strikes with Laban. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages. And my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whatever you check on the wages you have paid me, any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark colored will be considered stolen. Well, Laban couldn't say yes fast enough. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. And we'll examine that in a moment. That same day, he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark-colored lambs, and he placed them in the care of his sons. That wasn't the deal, but that's what Laban did. Then he put three, a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond, and plain, and plain trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they mated in front of the branches and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves and made the rest face the streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. Thus he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. By the way, where in the world did Jacob get such a notion to put strike wood? Oh, what? Where did he come up with that? You know where he came up with it? Maggie? You know, talking, uh, talking football around here is as dangerous as talking politics. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Um, where did you get that idea? We're going to find out. I mean, you know who got, where he got the idea? From God. From God. Now, did God, was this some kind of magic potion to cause this? God's watching Jacob obey him. And God is the one who makes the sheep and the lambs and goats come out with stripes and spots. It's not some sticks laying on the ground. It's God. God's at work. Don't miss that as you look at the text and see what's happening here. Because God is choosing to bless Jacob. And when Jacob does leave here soon, he's going to leave a very wealthy man. Very wealthy. Okay, so let's look at... These verses in a little more detail, um, verses 25 and 26, 
Jacob is saying to Laban, I want to go home. I, I do not want to live here and serve you any longer. I'm ready to go home. Let me go. I've served you well, and you know it, Laban. There's friction between Laban and Jacob, and it's going to get worse over the short term. Now, in, in verse 27, it appears that Laban is groveling before Jacob momentarily. I, I, I know that I have been blessed by your presence here. The Lord has done it. What do you want? I will pay it. Now, don't, I mean, Laban is crafty and Jacob is deceitful. I mean, you've got two guys here who are a, boy, they're a match for each other. But the difference is one of them is listening to God and the other isn't. That's the difference. Now, Jacob responds in verse 29 and 30. You know I've worked hard. Uh, you had very little when I came here. Now God has blessed you because of me. But I need to help my own family and I'm ready to go home and take my children and take my flocks and I need to go home. And man, we can understand that, can't we? In verse 31, Laban says, I'll give you whatever you ask. He didn't mean it, but he said it. I guarantee you he didn't mean it. Laban is not a man of faith. He's not a man of integrity. He's not a man of honesty. But he does know and admit that his prosperity has come through association with Jacob. And we know and we'll see clearly that God is the giver of the prosperity that both Laban and Jacob experience. Now, Jacob outlines an amazing deal for Laban. Normally, in the context of that day, a hired shepherd like Jacob would contract to the chief shepherd or owner, Laban, for 10 to 20% of the flock as payment plus a percent of the wool and the milk. Well, this deal that Jacob makes with Laban is generous and seemingly ignorant on the part of Jacob. I use the word seemingly ignorant on the part of Jacob. Most sheep are what color? Most sheep are white. And most goats are all one dark color, either brown or black. Mottled or striped sheep and goats are comparatively rare in relationship to the total. Incredibly, Jacob offers to remove, to remove the few multicolored sheep and goats from Laban's flock as his compensation. I mean, he's working on the cheap, it, it seems. Then he would shepherd the plain colored sheep for Laban, the white, the solid brown. He would shepherd them for Laban. After breeding, he'd do the same. He would keep the spotted, the mottled, and he would give the solid plain colors to Laban and take care of them. Jacob would take care of what we call the variegated ones. Um, what a deal for Laban. I mean, what a deal for him. Uh, I've got a red-headed grandson. And uh, my father was redheaded. My father-in-law was redheaded. But, you know, in the great scheme of things, red hair is small minority of the population. Very small. So it's kind of like, uh, kind of like somebody saying, well, I'll take all the redheaded kids. 
who would ever do that? I'll take all the redheaded kids and you'd have everybody else. I mean, that, comparatively speaking, that's what Jacob is saying. I'll, I'll take the redheads, you take everybody else. And, and everybody's saying, boy, you're going to end up with just a few little kids. That's the way it looked. That's the way it appeared. So verse 34, Laban can't say yes fast enough. Yes, 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 I'm very pleased. And inwardly, Laban was laughing. And probably when Jacob walked away from him, Laban looked at his, at his family and people who served him and he said, Can you believe that dummy? <laughs> Can you believe what he's done? Well, 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 we'll see who gets the last laugh. So in, 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 in verse 35, we are going to see God, God working in, in, in a magnificent way. So let's look at, um, yeah, or look again at verse 35 through 43. So Laban acts quickly. He, re, he removes all the variegated animals and takes them three days away. He wasn't supposed to do that. Jacob was supposed to do that. But Laban feels very smug. Jacob won't have much left. He's got them all out there. And, and I'm sure that they had a conversation about it. With, not everything has to be in, in the text. So I'm sure they had a conversation. And Laban probably said, I'm just being sure. You know, they're yours, but I'm just being sure there's no hanky-panky here. I've got them all out there. And when, when it's time for you to go, you know, they're, they'll be there for you. But for now, I'm taking care of them out there. And you take care of mine here. Jacob strikes back. Uh, his efforts with the sticks, and, and there's no evidence of the sticks being effective, but God is the one at work. Now, skip over to, for a minute to chapter 31, verse 10. Chapter 31, verse 10. Now, here's where the stick idea comes from. Jacob, Jacob speaking. Uh, Jacob is speaking to his wives, and, and he's telling them, we've got, we got to get out of here. And he says in verse 10, In breeding season I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Aha! So Jacob, pretty smart guy, isn't he? Because God spoke to him, he remembered it, and this is God's plan. So the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, Bethel, where you appointed, anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Now, that's all the detail Jacob gives us on the vision. But understand... Before he ever addressed Laban, before he ever talked about the variegated goats and sheep, he already had the word from God and he's simply doing what God told him to do. By the way, anytime we do what God tells us to do, even if it looks crazy in the eyes of the world, that's the thing we're to do. We're to be obedient. Jacob was. So, Jacob prospers. The mottled and striped sheep increase greatly and rapidly. And uh, Jacob is getting rich hand over fist. And look at verse 43, the last verse that we read a moment ago. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous. 
Doesn't just say prosperous. It says exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Now, Laban's deceit is defeated by God. From day one, Laban has been deceitful with Jacob. When did it start? On the night he was supposed to marry Rachel. And who did he end up with? He ended up with Leah. Then he had to work seven more years to get Rachel in four more years after that before he could finally even begin to think about leaving. So 20 years he's been away from his homeland and he's ready to go home. Now God takes care of the deceit of, uh, of Laban. Let me read a verse or two. Job 5.13. And I know today I say I'm out of practice. I forgot to write down these side verses on your sheet. So Job 5.13. He catches the wise in their craftiness. And the schemes of the wily are swept away. God knows. He's observing. And in the seventh psalm, verse 14 and 15. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they have made. You know, the scooping out of the hole is to cause your enemy to fall into the hole, but the text says God causes you to fall into the hole if you're the digger of the pit. Now, the providence of God is at work here. Jacob is rich. Laban, by comparison, modest means... And guess who begins to complain? Laban's children. Hey, Dad, this isn't right. You know, we're your flesh and blood. And look at the look at this. Look how rich Jacob is. And look how little we have by comparison. They weren't poor, believe me. It's kind of like the billionaire complaining about the multi-billionaire. You know, they've all got a lot. But Laban's kids aren't happy about this whole situation. But here's what's happening. Now watch. Here's what's happening. Jacob is becoming a people. And what had God said was going to happen through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a people called by my name. And his prosperity, Jacob's prosperity is of God. Now, we're going to come to chapter 31. I hope to get there today. I should have known better. But there are, there are three things. Quickly, here are the three things we're going to start with next week. Three major things to notice in chapter 31. As Jacob finally escapes from Laban, he will, in a dramatic fashion, followed up by more drama as Laban chases him. So come expecting action in chapter 31. Three major things to notice. Number one, God does it. He is at work. His hand is over all of this. Number two, Jacob is growing spiritually greatly. He is slowly but surely becoming not the heel grabber, not the deceiver, but a man who is desperately in love with God. And then the third thing we're going to see is God is keeping his word. I will make of you a great nation. You'll be as numerous as the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky. That is coming true before our very eyes. So those are the three things we'll see next week as we start chapter 31. 
Father, thank you so very, very much for your precious word. Thank you for your divine plan and providence that you have for each one of us as you had for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. May we be found faithful servants of yours, obedient servants in all things. And thank you for what we've learned today. Bless us as we treasure your word and treasure all that we learn. Carry us safely to our homes, our workplaces, uh, our places of responsibility. And we look forward to gathering as your people on the Lord's day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.